baby, let's let's talk it over. You just sit right here on my big old fat knee and we'll we'll get right down to it. I'll, you know me. You you can trust me, honey. <laughs> I just want to talk. That's all. I got a story here I'd like to tell you. Now you just sit right over here. It's time for our little uh, our little two man action committee to get going, honey. So you just sit right over here with a little action here. I hate to bring this up at this time, you know, since a lot of you people is very nervous. There's a lot of nervous people out there listening at this time. But uh, we have some important information here. In 1964, William Eggleston of London told police that a werewolf chased him into a hedge. And Mr. Eggleston was fined 560 for drunkenness. Well, that ain't the end of the story. In September of 1970, police arrested Alan Ferrant when they found him searching furtively through London's Highgate Cemetery with a torch, a crucifix, and a sharp wooden stake. See, when told by Ferrant that he merely had been hunting vampires and intended to liquidate them in the customary classical fashion by driving a stake through their hearts, the judge found hunting vampires totally within the law and immediately dismissed the case. And he was hunting with the legitimate equipment. So you just went out there... And so we're going to take uh, W.C. Fields' uh, advice tonight. We're going to make a salute to Chinese peoples. Yeah. When the lights are low. Oh, China, China, Chinatown. Ba-ba-do-do-do, the dragon lady makes them pizzas. China, China, Chinatown, yeah. When the lights are low. ba 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 Papa, Little of that sweet and sour linguine. <laughs> oh, Chinatown, yeah. Where the lights, them lights are blue. <laughs> oh, I got rings on my fingers. I got bells on my toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got rings on my fingers and I got bells on my toes. Yeah, jingle, 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 jay. I got rings on my fingers, bells on my toes. Yeah, elephants to ride upon. Way down there by Canal, over there by Houston Street, down there where we start the move. China, 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 down me, Papa. Hey, hold on. Ho, ho. Lick it down, mother, boom, ba, dee, ba, boom, da, dee, boom, ba, dee, boom, ba. That was tonight's salute to Charlie Chan. That wasn't bad, was it, Charlie? How'd that sound to you, George? Okay? Did it sound okay to you, George? All right, China, China. <laughs> now, this is not a musical-type program. It's just the way we feel. I mean, you know, those, those two dudes are up there on the moon. Did you hear that one guy holler, Fantastic! Did you hear that? Came all the way back from the moon. Fantastic! 
I have a friend that says that about every 30 seconds. And it, and every time I hear that now, it, it makes the filling in my teeth, you know, tingle. You get a little shock there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, uh, you don't mind if I tell you I just saw something. I just, I just got to report it to you. I, you know, I feel so groovy because the summer's come on. Now, I'm using that term, which I understand is an archaic term. I, I realize that. Don't come on strong with me, man, and tell me that they don't use the term groovy no more. They don't. That is true. And uh, the reason I use that term is because there is nothing as eternal as the bad stuff that goes on in the marrow of your bones when the spring comes popping up over the East River, right? And, I mean, you got to get classical. You know, I'm liable to say stuff like egad, gadzooks. You know, you can go back further than that. Hot diggity dog. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I saw a great thing. I, I, I know the summer's here now. I saw my first great, I saw my first great summer move. And, and I, I should have told you about it. Uh, I've been thinking about it, you know, because it was such a great thing I saw that I just couldn't believe it at first. It's finally percolated through my brain that I really did see it. Now, you know, I live down the village, right? You know that, George, right? Well, now, down the village, when, when the spring comes, you, I mean, it's just like living in the middle of a fantastic human compost heap. It just goes, I mean, it just happens. I mean, it just, I'm telling you, it's a, why, it's indecent, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, you see some great sights, see? So I'm walking around in Sheridan Square there, you know, with all the rest of the village types, you know, looking real cool. You know, you, you, when you live down the village, you, you, you don't admit to anything as mundane as the spring. You know, you, you just, but you, 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 you let it happen, you know. You don't go around and say, hey, man, look, the spring there. I mean, you don't do that. You just let it go, see? So I'm walking around looking real cool, see? And so I see this... This real, this, this, this totally, you know, this total with it dude. He's, he's sitting there, you know. They got this little bench there, you know. It's 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 right there by the subway, there, and it's a little tiny park. They got a little park there, about the size of a half dollar, you know. Yeah, they have there, and it's all full of. Well, <laughs> anyway, it's a little park there, and it's got this little this little fence around it. See, and they got these benches, and I, I walk up to the to the subway. The subway entrance there, see, and I, I'm playing real cool. And I see this guy, he spread it out. You know, he just got it all going. He spread out. He's got legs there. He's hanging out there. And he just spread out across his, across his park bench. See, and he's got these shades. Now, he's got these real mean-looking shades. You know, the kind that go back, that fold back like that, you know. And they're so black, that guy didn't even know whether it was spring, summer, or midnight, or whether it was any time, see. And it's a real black one, see. And they got the big black... The big black, uh, you know, the, the 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 big wide rims, see, and the big things go back there, and he's sitting there, see, and he's got this cigar sticking out of his trap. Well, it just so happens it's a short cigar, you know, it's, it's one of those cheapies, you know, that kind, you know, 17 for a quarter, you know, the kind you go in the place there and it says specials, you know, <laughs> and they come in this plastic bag all wrapped up there, and you don't know what you're getting, actually, you're getting, the, you know, pieces of acorn, some leaves and junk like that all wrapped up, making like it's a cigar, you know, and, uh, He's got this cigar stuck in his mouth, and uh, he's he just spread out there. See, he's looking on top of it, man. He's real cool. He's got one of these belts, you know, they, you know these, these real, real fancy uptime $4 belts, you know, with the studs all over it and the great big buckle. You know, it's about the size of a watermelon hanging there. See, he's, he's just laying there across this bench, see, and he takes out one of these lighters, you know, the butane-type lighter, you know, the kind? And he real cool, see, like that, and the flame shoots up there, see, and he's puffing away at that cigar. He takes a big suck at that cigar, see. He coughs a little bit. He takes another suck, and he puts that butane lighter away, see. 
and the smoke comes up out of his cigar. He takes another big drag on the cigar. See, and I walk past him, and I, I'm about five feet past him, and I smell this funny smell, see. I go like that, you know. Well, you smell a lot of funny smells down there in the village, so you don't often look at them, you know. But this was a kind of a new funny smell. I hadn't smelled this one, see. I smell like that, see. I sniff again. It's a familiar smell. Yeah, I know what that is. I'm smelling, see. Of course, in the middle of all this is spring, you know, and you can smell Jersey, you can smell Secaucus. It's all in there. It's all mixed up. It's a great big human compost heap. See, I give it a smell like that, and I said, well, I know what that is. That's celluloid burning. Now, all of you know what celluloid smells like. You know what? Celluloid, you know what that smells like when it's burning, right? I turn around, and here's this, here's this real elegant dude. He's laying across that bench, you know, he's looking real cool. And I see what's happened. His sunglasses is on fire, only he don't know it. <laughs> I see his sunglasses. The smoke is coming off the top of his sunglasses. The butane lighter got them things going, see? So I don't know what to say, you know. It's kind of embarrassing, to, you know, to say what the, you know, the guy's very cool, you know. And he's talking to this chick, you know. He's trying to lay on the, the real good words to this chick, see. And all the while, she's looking at him kind of funny, seeing his sunglasses on fire. So he's smoking a cigar at the same time, you know. He's talking when the smoke's coming off the top. And I see it's burning. I think any minute now his ears are going to catch on fire, you know. So I walked up to him and I said, excuse me. And he said, no, I don't have no change. I said, well, I, I, I don't want no change this time. I said, it was yesterday, but I don't want no change. I said, sorry, sorry fellow, but the... I say, hey, you sunglasses on fire. And he takes a look at this, this chick. He says, he says, them damn junkies. He says, there's all everywhere. Them junkies, he says, they, see, they see stuff in there. And he says, that junkies, they see stuff. So I says, okay, it's me, your sunglasses on fire, man. I go down into the station there. And he's telling this chick, he says, you know, you sit around here, you're going to see junkies all over the place, you know. And they just, they'll tell you anything. They'll tell you you got three legs and you're riding on an elephant, you know. And all the while I see his sunglasses are burning away. I don't know what happened except when I got down into the station. I put my token into the machine. I could hear something up there. I heard a lot of sirens coming. All of a sudden I heard his, ah! I heard his screams. And I guess it finally got to his ears, you know. <laughs> Thank you, George. That was real good. <laughs> now, I actually saw that. And I did that. I should tell you more about my private life, shouldn't I, Jerry? You think so? <laughs> You you want to hear about that discussion I had with that with that with that chick in the in the international down there, running the third machine from the left, you know, on that checkout line. Yeah, I'm going through that line there, you know, and I have my usual collection of oddments and junk like that. You know, I go in there and I buy things like leaves and and the used rubber heels and all that kind of stuff. You know, you know the kind of junk you come through there. See, and I come up to the machine there. And uh, she's playing that machine like nobody I never saw. You know, there's some some people who peck away at that machine, you know. I'm talking about the cash register. You know, they peck away at it. They go tick, tick, like that. Tick, 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 tick. Well, you never saw nothing. They'll talk about it. I'll tell you, this, this, this chick was on top of it, man. She is playing that machine the way Van Cliburn plays the keyboard, you know. The way Ornette Coleman plays that horn. See, she goes tick, 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 tick. She's going away like that, see. And she's not looking. She's just pushing her stuff tick, tick, tick. I says, baby, you really play that thing. You play the hell out of that. And she says, what was that? I says, you just play the hell out of that machine. And she just turned on, you know. She, nobody had told any her you know, for a long time how good she played the cash register, see. 
And I said, you just play it real good. I said, can you play a little bit? Of, uh, how about playing a request on that? But she's watch this now. She says, watch this now. And so then she started to really turn it on me, see. She starts to play this thing real fast, and her fingers is moving real good, see. And I, I said, to, honey, you play that real good. Oh, what was that? Well, of course, that's because it needed a new tape, you know, and, and uh, it was running on uh, nothing but pure air. Bring it up there. Yeah. <laughs> Hello there, George. All right, I'll give you a little rest there. Oh, man, we are loaded. Hey, uh, this is WOR New York, friends. Ain't easy, is it? No, hey, no, it ain't. It ain't easy. Hello? Hello? There, good, good. I just checking. Let's see, what's it say here? It says a plug. It says plug. It says, uh, what's oh, this plug TV show? It says, oh, yeah, I'm looking at this, uh, this, you know, these little capsule things you see where they describe what the TV show is going to be about tonight. You know, James Arnest discovers his horse has been picking his pockets, you know, that kind of stuff. It says tonight, it says wagon train, Suzanne Plachette. Uh, Suzanne Plachette guest stars as a girl whose husband has made a ruin of her life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, poor Suzanne Pochette. She's been guest starred as all kinds of bad things all of her life. You know, Suzanne Pochette guest stars tonight. She is a patient with a rare disease that she caught from a Siberian wolf. Marcus Welby faces his toughest case. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. My God Almighty, where is it going to stop? Suzanne Pochette guest stars as a girl whose husband's made a ruin of her life. It's Walter Matha guest stars as a man who's... Life has been ruined by that battle accident married tonight on the Ed Sullivan. Let's see. Uh, what do we got here? All right, let's get some of these commercials out of the way here. Let's get down to the business. Let's buckle down. Oh, buckle down with sucky. Buckle down. By the way, I know some fantastic lyrics to that. For those of you who are over 21, I'd be glad to send them to you. You know the tune. Buckle down with sucky. Oh, buckle down. Buckle down. Oh, you ought to hear the lyrics I got. I learned them in a signal car. Let's see, uh, would you please play me a little of that uh, cheap Portuguese music, please? Lay it on me. Oh, yeah, you notice how my eyes start to sparkle and the glow comes to my cheek. Oh, yeah. Come, my little Portuguese vixen, sit upon my knee and we shall talk. Where I shall tell you tales of the great American Midwest and you'll tell me tales of the Algarve. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I got a little work to do. You just keep that music behind me. You keep that guitar man going. Keep feeding them nickels, will you, honey? Here's what we got here. Suntan. Suntan. Beautiful suntan for sale. $409. Lisbon. The Algarve. Madrid. Included in the fantastic, magnificent two-week royal treatment. They think of it. 409 bucks. Now, a lot of you guys lose that out at Aqueduct on any given day. For 400, yeah, well, listen, for $409, you could hardly live in Queens for two weeks. And at TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, they'll send you to Lisbon, the Algarve, which is, oh, man, oh, man, and Madrid for a two-week royal treatment tour. And by the way, that includes the hotel, the meals, and, uh, oh, it includes many things. Didi Mall for $409, and you better you better find out about it. Two weeks, man, you won't forget it. I mean, the whole scene, bullfights, flamenco music, charming countryside, and the Portuguese vixen, if you, you know, I mean, you know. Uh, nevertheless, the number to call is 421-8500-TAP, and that includes, incidentally, round-trip economy airfare, 409 bananas, 
409 iron men. And man, man, you talk about it. You talk about letting it all go. Oh, that's your church. Come, my baby, I am sure with the business now we shall talk. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, never knew us fake cats. You <laughs> hear some of the good sounds. Let's see. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, yes. Uh, I have a note here. It says, uh, Shepard, because of you, I'm ordering my fourth flying bird. I have become addicted. Ugh! I'm quoting the kid. Shepard, you got to stop. You've become the pusher, and I've become one of your many victims. What will my parents think? I'm doing nothing but spending all my dough on birds. I'm ordering my fourth bird. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's just fantastic. I can't help it. He says, two of them flew out to sea and never came back. The kid lives on Cape Cod. All right, that's the way with them birds. You cannot capture a bird. Well, she's only a bird in a gilded cage. Now, let's see. If you'd like to order your bird, and, uh, I mean, if you can't make it to the Algarve this year, at least you could buy a three ninety eight bird. There's some, something left in life, you know. I mean, what the hell? This, this bird, incidentally, is guaranteed to fly, which is obviously not true of you. It's $3.98 for a bird. And there's a 16-inch wingspan, which is not bad for a $3.98 bird. And it really does fly. I mean, it really does, man. You just wind that little thing. They're cranking it back there, and you just wind them up. <laughs> Let them go, and you can put little messages on them, you know, send them over to the chick across or on the other side of the air shaft, you know. And they're really great. You can get... You can get two colors. You can get the beautiful yellow bird, or you can get the white peace dove. I mean, if you're of that type, and uh, they're three ninety eight. And of course, New York State residents have tax. <laughs> oh, how typical! The flying bird comes packed all together with instructions and the whole bit. And send your check or money order to Flying Birds, Department S, Post Office Box nineteen nine. That's one nine oh nine, Grand Central Station, New York, New York. And the zip is one oh oh one seven. Okay, that's enough of that. Would you please uh, lay them uh, general tire bugles on me, please, will you? This is a trumpet voluntary. The king is entering. Bring it up there, pig. He is trading his purple robes. He's about to make a pronouncement. Hear ye, now through April the 29th, buy three general polyester cord tires and get the fourth tire free, I say, by George. Yes, you get the fourth general grabber free. <laughs> Stop it. The grabber has a full four-ply polyester cord body. It's a grabber friend, and remember, you get the fourth tire free. It's the grabber, four-ply polyester cord, three-ring white wall, and the fourth tire free. That's all at the home of the big red general Terra G, your one-stop car care headquarters. I say, bring on them bugles. Yeah, it's time for a tournament. Oh, I finished a good 10, 15 minutes at a time. We could put in a salute to Big Wilson or something there. Get, sit down, George. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, come on, George. What's up, Doc? Hit the dinger there for what's up. See, Barbara Streisand make Ryan O'Neill's eyes light up. Also, his luggage and his hotel room. See, what's up, Doc, from Warner Brothers, rated G. Did you have your facelifter? No, just move to the left. Good Lord. Where is it ever going to stop? What was that? What the? That, that one got past so fast. That was like being attacked by 42 small microscopic mosquitoes. I don't have the tag, but that's all right. I'll fake it. Let's see. Oh, here. It's over here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it says play this thing twice. 
great Easter show at the Radio City Music Hall. Run that through again, will you, George? We'll get through it twice. We'll play it again. Now, for all of you out there who missed it the first time, all right, one, two, three, four. See, Barbara Streisand make Ryan O'Neill's eyes light up. Also, his luggage and his hotel room. See, what's up, Doc, from Warner Brothers Radio G. Mm. Facelift, no, just move to the left. Yeah, that's very good. That's a great Easter show at the Radio City Music Hall now. Hey, it, do you have the distinct impression that something is beginning to grow up my side here, George? Something that's green? That's terrible. That, 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 that one got past me there. I can't get my mind off that guy with the sunglasses on fire there. You know, it's spring, you know. Time marches on. What the hell are you doing? And we have another commercial here. How would you like to join an archaeological expedition to Greece? <laughs> or visit or visit an academy for baby sea lions? You wouldn't? Well, maybe you'd like to see Grand Opera in the fabulous settings of La Scala. No? Well, what kind of a sore head are you? What do you want to do? Well, you can. You can do all these things through the pages of the exciting and fascinating new magazine, Smithsonian. Smithsonian, the official publication of the famous Smithsonian Institution. Smithsonian. You, you, you saw the memo that went around here, didn't you? It says, pronounce Smithsonian clearly. Clearly. It says, with those little cheap Japanese radios out there, it sounds like you're just blowing out your sinuses. It is Smithsonian Institution. And you can join this fabulous institution. They have wonderful meetings. Everybody sits around there, you know, and talks about leaves and caterpillars and stuff. The dues are $10 for one year, including a 12-issue subscription to Smithsonian Magazine. They don't have a centerfold out. Yes, indeed. If you'd like to find out about this fabulous... It is a good magazine, actually. Uh, their center fold out, you know, they, they have the, the bug of the month, you know, and you'd fold it out, and there's a great big beautiful picture the sexy Katie did or something. Call this number right now, MU7-7500. <laughs> MU7-7500. And the famous line of our whole century, send no money, you'll be billed later. Yes, indeed. How prophetic those words are. You'll be billed later. Hey, that's symbolic, you know. That's, that's almost existential. You'll be billed later. Are you on a vast turnpike, friends? Give me, give me a little that, that, that angry music. A boom, boom, boom. You know, George, come on. Tonight, we would like to salute all of you on the great vast turnpike of life. Hurtling forward. And you see coming up out of the darkness a sign that says, Tollgate ahead. Exact change. Lane only. And you ain't got a nickel on you. Thank you, thank you. That was good. That was real good. I, I thought that was nice. Hey, we've already played What's Up, Doc. We played it twice. That's how many times you want me to play it. <laughs> I heard it once. That's enough. You heard it once. You heard it. What's up? Uh, <clears throat> what's up? Uh, we have a couple more commercials. I'll tell you, we're loaded tonight. You can tell it's spring. The commercials are growing. We watered them lately. And it's coming up good. Would you please give me that, that Chinatown music again? You, you say, uh, uh, I'm going to run something in. Uh, I'm going to lay it in on you good here. <laughs> Come on, Mr. <laughs> 
Quella Chinese Savara, oh, oh, yeah. There are many different styles of Chinese cooking. Sweet and sour dishes from Hunan and the south of China. Highly spiced and fiery dishes from Sichuan in the west. I am only Chinaman ever in place in the world who do not play table tennis nor ping pong. Me play claps. Enjoy it much. Succulent flavors from Peking in northeast and delicious Cantonese specialties from south. We would like to recommend highly Great Shanghai. Great Shanghai Sunday lunch. Superb buffet served from level to four. All you can eat for two seventy-five U.S. dollar. Children of the poor people just one hundred and a half, one dollar half U.S. dollar. Great Shanghai Broadway at one hundred third. IRT station right there. Great Shanghai Broadway at one hundred third street. Now I'm in a flipping park. Three point claps. I have one time seventh consecutive phase. So if you think we've played up, oh, pass up, Pedro. I'll let you through. Let's go. Thank you. Hey, I'm singing very good tonight, George. And you're one, you're one of the very few people here in this rat trap who recognizes what I do vocally. You know, this is this is the kind of place where they really believe Robert Goulet sings. And you know, he's the same kind of guys who would have paid a lot of money to go hear Nelson Eddy. No sing, mammy, little baby, love shortening, shortening. Oh man, get off my back, will you? That shortening bread. Let's see, we got that no, no. Hey, what is this? The whole entire thing here? We got no, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I, I want to salute somebody out here, please. We don't have much time to do it, and I want to do it. Oh, summer's here. And if you didn't see this story, I got to, I got to, I got to salute a, a guy named Sandy Grady. He writes in the Evening Bulletin in Philly. And George, I want you to listen to carefully to this, because it just lets you know what what man is capable of. It was it was last week, a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I guess it was at the opening day ball game at the ballpark in Philadelphia. You know where the Phillies play? What do you think went on there? Kite man looked up. At the, now listen carefully, kite man. This was this is Philadelphia. Philadelphia. This is where our country began. You know. This is the citadel of democracy. This is what happened in Philadelphia. Oh, how far is it going to go? Kite Man looked up at the flags on the rim of Veteran Stadium. The flags were dancing in the wind. Kite Man looked down into the stadium where thirty-eight thousand people were waiting. Kite Man tried to casually light a Salem, but the wind blew out the match. Dad, it's going to be real interesting," said Kite Man. "This wind may make it tricky. Interesting, tricky." It looked like the first kamikaze dive since World War II. If Kite Man's insurance man had been there, he would have fainted. In fact, a reporter helped steady Kite Man's flying machine against the wind. Had a dizzying case of acrophobia from the height. The Phillies, showing a rich sense of humor, had built a 100-foot plywood ramp down the center field upper level seats. It was only eight feet wide. Kite Man had a stubby pair of water skis. In theory, Kite Man would slide down the ramp until he hit 40 or 50 miles per hour, and then take off with his big nylon wings. He had he had a big kite, see, and sail all the way down to home plate carrying the game ball. That was the theory. Purists sneered that Phil's executive Bill Giles would kill off baseball with circus gimmicks like this. 
Nobody suggested he might also uh, kill off Kite Man, too. Uh, Kite Man, you ever do this particular stunt before? A man asked as the mummers swirl below. Yeah, well, I went off a ski jump once at Elk Mountain once, said Kite Man thoughtfully. Usually somebody pulls me with a boat across the lake, but uh, this is the first time I ever tried in the ballpark. A damnest wind, muttered Kite Man. Actually, he was ready to go, and the crowd began to cheer, and he stood high up on top of that, that fantastic slide. He was going to slide all the way down, carrying the game ball. What a moment. And hundreds of us stood around. It says a half dozen of us boosted Kite Man's big red and blue apparatus atop the ramp. Kite Man took off his shoes, put on his water skis. He tinkered with some smoke bombs, which he was going to carry as he sailed down the ramp, and an aerial camera that would take pictures, he hoped, as he's flying out over, over the outfield. He climbed into the harness as the wind billowed his kite like a spinnaker. If you think you're going into trouble down the ramp, just twist and spin into the seats, said a friend. No sweat, said Kite Man, lighting his last Salem. If I uh, get up enough speed, I think I may make a couple of quick turns around the pitcher's mound, and I may do a barrel roll over there by first base. Go, Kite Man, the people cheered. He climbed up on the ramp. 50, 60, 70 feet high, the red and blue chute filled with air. Suddenly a crosswind struck from the right. Suddenly a crosswind boomed in, and Kite Man began to struggle. And then... In a second, he was tumbling off the ramp, smashing through seats and railings, tearing steel out of concrete. And Kite Man lay there, buried under all of his junk. In the silence, people ran up to him, began disconnecting the kite. Was Kite Man in one piece? Was he unconscious? No, they picked him up, and he stood on his feet, and he hollered, Damn wind! This wind is lousy in this ballpark. Many a ball player, Kite Man, has said that same thing. And then finally, the guy in the PA system said, Let's have a cheer for Kite Man. And 38,000 people hollered, Yay, Kite Man! Yay, Kite Man! Yay, Kite Man! And another great opening day at the Phillies was underway. Kite Man threw out the first ball, and the Phillies went on to drop their opener. Which surprised nobody with a start like that. Thank you, George. That was very good. Oh, Summer's here. No way, man. No way to doubt it. No way. I still see that cat with the glasses smoking there, curling up around his ears. China, China, Chinatown. All right, let's do another one. What do you say? Yes, sir. Here's a special offer from Citadel Press. Now, Citadel. That's some kind of a fortress, isn't it? Something like that? That's some place, yeah, you, where you go and you learn how to do right face and stuff. A special offer from Citadel Press, that's what it is. Two tw- I don't make the news, I just report it. 222 Park Avenue South, New York. It says, have you ever wondered what goes on backstage at a big Broadway show? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. Well, this tells the whole story of the making of No No Nanette. It's exciting. All the envy, all the glory, all the... Yelling and the screaming. The making of No No Nanette is in bookstores now at seven ninety five, but this week Citadel Press is offering it by mail to WR listeners for only five ninety five. You can get on the ground floor here. And uh, they'll autograph your copy. Don Dunn, who wrote it, will do that. You just let them know who you want it autographed to. Somebody you really like, you know. Make checks or money order payable to Nanette Book. I remember her. Yeah, you used to live in Germantown. Nanette Book. Little short fat girl. Kind of wide on the bottom, but she had great shoulders. Uh, on the back, write how you want the autograph to read on the back of the check. Address Nanette Book, Box 904, FDR Station, New York 10022. And the offer expires April 30th. 
Oh, boy. You just got you got to run out and do all this stuff tonight. All these things you got. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, 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 you learn how to fight. You learn how to fight. It's all infighting, friends. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, believe me, it's all infighting. I mean, I, you know, the guys that hit the long home runs once in a while, they're all right. But, you know, you want that guy that gets that little single here and there, you know, three or four hits a game, you know. He gets no cheering, but uh, in the end, uh, in the end, uh, he gets no cheering. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. I mean, <laughs> realism is not a nice thing. It isn't. It isn't. Uh, some guy wrote me a letter the other day. He said, Shepard, he said, right after you were, were in Tehran, he said, is this significant? Right after you and Tehran, they had a giant earthquake when you left. And he says, why didn't you say anything about that? Well, it didn't happen when I was there. You know, I don't want to, don't blame, you can blame a lot of stuff on me, but not that. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, you know, what can you say? You know, there's certain things that are just too big for you. You know, the ocean, like, I don't say much about the ocean. I mean, it's just out there, it just keeps rolling on. All them big old octopuses down there. You know, and all them things with the big teeth. Oh yeah, have you have you ever had that that vague feeling down in the pit of your gut that that one day all of a sudden without any warning, just like that, you know, wham, zap, ah! something with big teeth is going to grab you. It's going to grab you in a place that's real tender, you know. Stop <laughs> it! And then nothing but bones, your bones. La ti 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 ti. Hey, we've done all the commercials, haven't we? Yes, we have. I'm sorry, Jerry. We just we just completed our. I I got I got I got seven whole minutes. I can just roll around here and yell and scratch, and tell bad stories. Well, you know, I'll tell you. Speaking of bad stories, I'll tell you this. I one time saw I I saw you you talk about opening day, and we didn't even mention much about opening day here. You know, there's an excitement about it. Even if you don't like baseball, the minute you know they're playing, somehow that means the season has begun. You know. I mean, you don't care. I don't care whether you like baseball or not. It's summer, you know. It's it's just there, see. And uh, Ed Cranepool's out there walking around, and uh, you know, walking, looking like Ed Cranepool and Cleon Jones is swinging at bat, you know. And uh, oh, yeah, you know, Bobby Mercer's hair is even longer, you know. He he's uh, yeah, he looks great out there, you know. And and you know, you just know, see, it's it's here, see. Well, I'll never forget this one fantastic opening day scene that I saw. And I don't know, you know, I, I suspect some people in their lives are what we call here in the field. I mean, you know, uh, those of us that are doing field experiments in life. See, there's those of you out there that spend most of your time, life is a, is a textbook exercise. I mean, you, you, you learn about life by reading about it and going to the movies and listening to what the Gloria Steinem says about it. You know, but actually, then there's the rest of us that are out there in the field. See, we're out there scratching and doing, you know. I mean, I just know, I just know for a fact that that was not Merv Griffin that set that guy's, that guy's shades on fire and went over and told him about it. Now, you guess who that was? That's when I'm right down there, you know, where they're handing out the short cards, see? And so I'm, uh, you don't know what that means, do you? Well, I do. And, uh, and a few of us do. You pull the short straw, you'll know you pulled it. And so I'm walking around out there in the darkness, see, and I keep, I, I just come to the conclusion that some people are, are, uh, well, are incident-prone. Other people are accident-prone. And then there's us that are incident-prone. And things, you know, just to continue to one. And people don't believe that. They hear me tell these stories. They don't believe it. And you stay around me 20 minutes, and the incidents will occur. Do you agree, Jerry? 
That's no way to get around it. They do. They just a steady rain upon my head. Raindrops is falling on my head. La da dee 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 dee. Sorry, I just get carried away. La dee 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 dee. La da dee dee. La da dee 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 dee. I'll never forget her. The rain drops is falling. Oh, I'm sorry. I got you carried away there for a minute there, folks. But that, <laughs> oh yeah, oh man. But that never. She could make great chili. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh man, great chili. That kind of just brings tears to your eyes when you think about it. You know, there's something about a bowl of chili. Do you agree? Do you agree with that, George? Aphrodisiac. It is uh, unsung, but it that that makes it real good. You know. But uh, nevertheless, I'm I'm. Uh, I go out to this opening day. This is the kind of thing that happens to me. See, I've only been to one opening day in my life. You know, opening day. I mean, the big league, see. Oh, I've been to a couple of opening days. In fact, I even played in a couple of opening days. I'll never forget a couple of those. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. And I go to opening day, see. And I'm, 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 I'm a fresh out of the Army GI. You got that? Well, you know what happens when you're fresh out of something like the Army or the... Or, or you, you know, you're fresh out of college or something like that. You figure a whole new era has begun, right? And it's going to be nothing but fantastic, groovy times from here on in, right? Everything's going to be great. You got it, you know? So anyway, I'm out by, I must have been out, though. I, I don't think I was out uh, six, seven weeks. You know, and I'm, I'm just feeling great. I, I, first of all, I'm, I'm get, just getting used to those shirts with those funny checks and all those jazzy colors and stuff, you know, because I had been wearing... I had been wearing somewhat subdued clothing up to this point for a long time. I had brass buttons on, that's true. Uh, but uh, other than that, it, they're kind of a dull color mostly, see. And so I'm just sitting out there in the ballpark. It's cold, see, got it? And the ballpark is is uh, Crosley Field. Have you ever heard of it? Right. Cincinnati, correct? Ballpark, Crosley Field. And there's a whole packed full house out there. I mean, they are packed right to the gunnels, see. And they're out there. And I'm all excited. You know, this is my first ball game. You know, and here I am. I'm, I'm just out of the army. And I figure, oh, you know, life is going to be just one long song from here on in. See, so I'm sitting up there in the stands. And I got myself a one of these big cardboard, one of these big cardboard containers full of beer. They had this beer they sold out in Cincinnati and had hair on. Oh man! So I got this great big schooner of beer and I got myself a hot dog. And I'm ready for the ball game. See, and it's the opening. Well, you know what happens at the opening day, don't you? You know what they do, don't you? Well, first of all, there's this band comes out, you know, and they, they parade around out there, and all these chicks, you know, come out with these, these drum major batons, and those things they throw up in the air and whistle and holler. And I think, you know, they're pretty good, see? And there's one little blonde, the second one from the left there, she's real good coming around second base, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching all this stuff, and they're singing and cheering out there, you know, and this guy comes along, and he sells me some peanuts, you know, the ball game has a start, of course. And I, and I could see down in the dugout, I could see the Cincinnati Reds sitting down there, see? And they're waiting for the for the you know for the big opening gun, and so finally the guy gets on the PA system and he says, uh, "So we will now sing the national anthem." And with that, you know, they started to play. That. And out comes the ball teams, and they all line up on either side. You know, they were playing, they were playing that. Yes, they were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. As a matter of fact, that's mean looking crowd. You know that suit? I think it's the suit. The, the, the Pirates. They got that mean suit. You know, the, the Mets have got a cuddly suit, you know, that kind of white little beanie, the little blue suit. But the Pirates have got a mean-looking suit. Have you noticed that? It's got this big black hat. They, they, they kind of look mean, see? 
So the pirates who were out there looking mean, and they had second-hand suits. In those days, the pirates didn't go anyplace, and I think they got their suits at the Salvation Army or something. They were looking kind of raggle-taggle, you know, and they were all standing out there, and the Reds are all lined up. And they got new suits, and they're all standing there saluting the flag and everything. And finally, this guy stands up to the governor, see, and he's going to throw the first ball out. Now, got that? You know that first ball thing? Well, I'm watching this. i never seen the first ball actually being thrown out. So the governor stands up there in the box, and, and the PA announcer says, And now, ladies and gentlemen, the governor of the great state of Ohio will throw out the first ball of the season. And uh, the crowd roars, see, and he cocks that arm back, see, and he's got, he's a right-handed, uh, I can see that. Yeah, I can see he's got a little hitch in the way he threw. See, he cocked the arm back. He threw, actually, at my cousin Arlene, actually. So he takes that ball, see, and she, she didn't have much of a wing. She had a lot of other things going for her, but she couldn't throw good. So, nevertheless, she's, uh, hey, he's up there sitting. He's got this ball cocked like this. Now, listen carefully now. I'm waiting, see. I'm waiting because it's the first ball. And all the Cincinnati Reds are down there, you know, waiting to catch the first ball. Well... He throws that ball. He just cocks that arm. He throws it. See, well, he threw a kind of a pop fly. See, he didn't throw a line drive. Just throws a pop fly. It was like a blooper ball, you know. It goes up like that, and these reds converge on it, see. Well, these two guys run into each other. I want to tell you that one of the Cincinnati Red third baseman, who became later notorious for other escapades. Anyway, he's got his head down. He makes a dive at that ball. And he cracked heads with a second-string catcher on the Cincinnati Reds. Those two guys hit together. You could hear it. I was way up there in the mezzanine section. And I just heard this clock, you know, just pock like that. Two heads hitting together. That third baseman got up, and he swung, and he got up, and he swung, and he hit that catcher right in the chops. And now I know there's three guys rolling around there. They're fighting. They're fist-fighting on the opening day ball. And the, the, the mayor, you know, he's, he's coming over there, and he's got a hold of the governor. See, the governor ranked him. You know, he's the governor, see. And he's explaining. The boys are just down there playing, and I could see the governor looking, and they're fist-fighting. Two umpires come out. Three cops broke up the Cincinnati Reds. I said, my God, what a season this is going to be. They had a fist. And by the way, the, 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 the second baseman there, he got in on it, see. And he got hit by somebody's elbow, caught him in the eye. He was out for three weeks, the opening of the season. They just got caught on the opening day ball. So I just want to tell you, I was incident prone. And I, I, well, it was kind of good, though, because that was the kind of team the Reds had. They, they used to sit down there in their, in their dugout. They used to just fist fight to just keep warm when it was cold, you know. So uh, you just please bring that up there. Yes, I know. I know. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm just waiting for the psychological moment. I'm waiting for the psychological moment. And here it is. The psychological moment has arrived. <laughs> yes. Don't you forget, friends, this Saturday, the 22nd, yeah, at 8.30, yeah, Big Willie, that's me, Wally Ballou, yeah, for the fourth consecutive year, we're going to be at Princeton in Alexander Hall, that's the place, you know, where they sacrifice the Persians, man, they have all that, the hunchback of Notre Dame comes out of the wings there, and it's going to be this Saturday, April 22nd at 8.30 p.m. And we are under the auspices of that magnificent college radio station, WPRB, that brings you Doc Savage and other great things. And you can pick up your tickets now at the Princeton University store on University Place in Princeton. But there will be tickets available at the door, so you get out there and line up like a good person. Telling us about his interesting travels. <laughs> Funny 
someday I'm going to tell you about some real interesting travels I've done. Stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. The news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. The anonymous telephone call last week about a detective in trouble in a black Muslim mosque has led to the death of 31-year-old New York City patrolman Philip Cardillo. Cardillo died tonight of a gunshot wound in the chest. He had been taken to St. Luke's Hospital last Friday after being shot while inside the mosque on West 116th Street in Harlem. Cardillo and another patrolman had entered the mosque in response to the phone call, which later turned out to be a hoax. But while the officers were inside, a fight erupted with unidentified persons in the mosque. Police have yet to say who might have shot Cardillo twice, and they may have never recovered the bullets that struck the patrolman. Deputy Police Commissioner Robert Cardillo said Cardillo's assailant apparently grabbed another patrolman's revolver and fired at the policeman. Getting there late, but getting there safe, Apollo 16 astronauts John Young and Charles Duke landed on the moon at 9.23 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time. That was an nearly six-hour loss in the original schedule, but of course the failure of the command ship's main rocket was not included in the original timetable. As it turned out, the main engine's problem stemmed from an open circuit which controlled a backup motor in the engine. After studying the isolated problem, Mission Control ordered the go-ahead for the landing. The astronauts aboard the lunar lander said as they approached their target... Stand by for contact. Come on, let her down. She level off. Let her on down. Okay. 